6.30 on a Tuesday. So, I was always asked in the past, or people that I used to connect with, they always wanted to ask me questions about my life. In other words, how did you, at the tender age of 21, and now, so let's go timeline, 21 to 51, how did you survive? So let me give you a backstory again of what my childhood was like growing up. We were not rich. We were not rich. People always assume you're rich. How do you come to that conclusion? Are you looking at the way a person dresses? How they act? We were poor. I'm not talking about poor like... So there's definitions of poor, different poor. Poor could be where you have... You're living in a, in a place where there's no running water, no electricity. That's poor. We lived in a decent home. But, but, my father had two jobs. Not one, two jobs. Because with one job, he really couldn't make enough. I don't know how much money he made for back in that day, because that was back in the um, early 70s. I was a baby. So I didn't know what the pay rate was for a factory job back then. And again, he had no education, but they hired him, regardless of the fact that he did not have an education. So he was very smart. My father didn't need to have, quote, an education. He was a smart man. My mother as well. My mother did not have any type of education, and she was smart. So he had two jobs. So we lived below our means, but again, we weren't rich. There's always people assume that you're rich, you know, because you get the nicer things, you know. Well, my father worked hard to provide those things for us. We didn't just go out and get them, you know. Uh, my father was of a given nature. I've, I've always mentioned that because again, where do you get your heart from? Where do you get the compassion and loyalty? From my parents. My parents were my only teachers in life. Yes, I went to school, but to be honest with you, I didn't really learn anything in school in elementary school, in junior high, and high school. And even in, when I took like a couple of years in college, didn't really learn anything. See, in order for you again to experience life, you have to live life. You have to go through challenges and obstacles that will make you into a well-rounded individual. But you also get your teachings from your parents. Your parents are your biggest teachers. They could teach you everything they need to know about life, even if going back into their own life story. I, I look at them as my inspiration, as my wisdom. In other words, they told me the stories of how they grew up, how they were poor, how they didn't have much of a child. They had to grow up pretty quickly. They had to help their families out. It was rough. And then my father went off to fight in the Korean War and he told me the stories of how many people he lost, a lot of comrades and friends, and some made it out alive and some didn't. And that was painful for him to talk about. And then he met my mother. Or actually, no, he knew my mother before, but they really didn't connect until later in life. And they got married later in life. But you know what? It was worth it. You know, and he loved her so much. He went to 
my grandmother and my uncles and aunt to ask for permission to marry my mother. He wanted that an old-fashioned courtship, which I thought was really nice. And you really don't see that anymore. That's kind of like phased out right now. But it was nice for that time. They lived a very storybook-type marriage. It was like a happily ever after, in which I do believe. See, when I was a little girl, I used to read Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. Those were the storybooks I read, and I always believed that one day your Prince Charming will come. And everyone's like, oh, you really believe in fairy tales? Yes, I do. Why not? You don't think it's possible? You know, again, love is an emotion that everyone should experience. Everyone should have love in their life. Everyone. I don't care who you are. Everyone should have love in their life. You know, love is a beautiful emotion to have. And not many people can achieve it. Not many people can attain it. Some people can't find love. Well, maybe they're not looking. But you know, one day you will find someone who will complete you. Someone who will uplift you. Someone who will make you feel so beautiful and warm inside. It's such a beautiful feeling when someone from across another continent, like my husband, is thinking of me. I think of him, he thinks of me. We think of each other. We're always, and you always have to say, I love you, I love you. You have to say it so many times, because it makes you feel good. Love is a beautiful emotion. Not many people, again, can achieve it, unfortunately. But other people have asked me, let's go back to a time when you were very happy. Well, I was happy when both my parents were alive. I remember all the holiday dinners. I remember just dinners in general, which you don't even see families sitting down to dinner anymore. It's like that was phased out, too. You know, the good old days when you were growing up. Everything changes in every decade. If you look back at your own childhood and then you think about right now, children and families don't even spend time together talking. There's too much of the technology with the cell phone and the laptop and the video games and all of that. I mean, is that really necessary? What happened to when you used to sit at home, everybody would come home from school and work, sit around the dinner table and we talk. Hey, how was your day? What did you learn in school? How was your day at work? Talk about current events. We don't even do that anymore because everybody is so busy doing other stuff, their own lives, especially like the teenagers. Oh, I gotta go out with my friends. I don't have time to hang out with my parents, sit there and text and talk on the phone and whatever. See, I think having those traditional family values are important. I like to think that me, my hubby and our children can actually sit down together at the dinner table and have a conversation. I miss that time. You know, I'm, when I was younger, me and my sisters would do the staring contest at dinner. <laughs> we'd stare at each other and we, we could not smile or laugh. We had to be serious, but sometimes that's hard to do. That's really hard to do because you want to laugh. <laughs> so you remember all the kooky things you did when you were younger. And then you think, okay. And all the times I spent with my father, I really missed. We used to go to the park together. We used to, he used to take me, there used to be a candy store down at the end of the block, he'd buy me candy, take me to the movie theater. Um, we spent quality time together as father and daughter and I miss it. I miss it so, so much. Um, 
And then when he got older, in my teenage years, he saw how depressed I was and he took me out on a Friday, Saturday night. Hey, let's go to the, he would love going to the track, to the racetrack. Oh, let's go to the racetrack, you know, bet on the horses. He wasn't a big gambler. He just wanted me to get out, have some fresh air, and I appreciated him for doing that. But sometimes though, I felt guilty, like, no, all the people I went to school with, they got invited to these parties, which I never got invited, or they would just hang out with each other. I never, nobody ever asked me. So I felt like, well, okay, well then I'll just spend that quality time with my father and really, really cherish that time because you never know. But the problem was two years after, the bond was broken and I had a hard time recovering from that. Everyone else in our family grieves different. Everybody grieves differently. I was a long time I didn't show my emotion. It's not that because I didn't love my father, it's just I didn't believe he was gone. I denied his death for three years. And I said to myself, why am I denying his death? I know he's not coming back, but a part of me just hoped and prayed that he would come, come in through the door in the front and just come in and it's like, as if he never was sick, nothing ever happened. Cause even, even, now this is the weird part. Even when I stared at him at the funeral home, kept looking over. I didn't get up close enough because to me he looked different. I, I would just stare from a distance him laying in the coffin. And for a split second, I swear to you, my eyes were playing tricks on me. I could have sworn I saw him breathing. Now again, your eyes are playing. You want to believe that. You think, well, maybe this is a mistake. Maybe he's really alive and he's not. Then you get up closer and it was, wait, what? Your eyes go back to now you're seeing him for what he's really doing. He's not moving. I remember the suit we picked out for him. And I also remember with my nephew, because it was two at the time when he lost his papa. I called him papa, grandfather, papa. Um, there was a, a teddy bear and then a pillow that then we placed in the coffin for him to go on his trip. And uh, my father looked so handsome in his dark suit. I was like, wow. He looked so different. I was like, my God. Very stiff, very cold. It was just terrible. I, I said, oh my God, I don't know if I could get through this. And then at the funeral, because again, there was a large turnout for him, which I I don't understand, you know. If you if you ask me the question, and I've asked, and and I know, I know that I brought this up many times on this podcast, previous podcasts. But let's let's really focus on this for a second. If you ask me the question, would you rather be alive or dead? At the time, at that time, back in the day when I was in my early twenties, yes, I wanted to be dead. Not thinking that I, you know, I still have my mother that I promised I would take care of it and, the, and still had my other family members. We were still together as a family. We didn't break up. But when you're at 21 and you have a father figure for a period of your life and then all of a sudden he's no longer there with you anymore. He's not going to protect you. He's not going to see you get older. He's not going to see you get married and have a family. You, you, you say to yourself, why am I here? I'm not happy without him. I was always trying to find him. I was always trying to find him. Every place he went to, I went to. I thought, well, maybe if I went to the places he went to, he would magically show up. Wasn't the case. So three years of my own life, I denied his death. 
Now I've accepted it because he's been gone for so long, but I always wish I could have kept something of his. Like, I want to remember how he spoke. I don't remember his voice. I try to remember what he looked like before he got sick. I can only remember through pictures, but pictures were right before he was sick, like in his younger years. And I say to myself, why? I wanted to take myself out of my own life because I thought it didn't matter what I did. He's not going to see it. Anything I do in my life, he's not going to see it. He's not going to praise it. So what difference does it make, right? Then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute now. I want to see how I'm going to turn out down the line. I could discover something. I could create something. I could be a success. I could have what I want, all that happiness. But I let myself get hurt. I let myself get taken advantage of, and I thought, I don't want to do that again. I, I, I survived a rape that was brutal. I didn't tell my family because I didn't want to hear the, you should have known better, or what, how could you do that, or what's the matter. I didn't want to hear that. You know, I'm still fresh from losing my father. I didn't want to hear all that negativity. So I didn't tell anybody. It sat with me for that many years. And I never knew how to trust men. I didn't know what their intentions were. So when you're at that age, you think, well, I don't know, nothing bad's going to happen to me. See, I thought like that. See, when you're in your 20s, you think you're invincible. Oh, yeah, look at me. I'm a grown adult. I can take care of myself. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. You have that mentality, and it's wrong. It's the wrong mentality to have. So you say to yourself, I'm going to get through it. And I did. I survived it. You know, he could have easily taken my life, but he didn't. So that was a chapter of my life that, again, if, if I were to introduce that into the first part of the book, all of you would be crying. But, again, I survived it. So I became the hero, like a Wonder Woman hero back in the day because I got out of it. Then it was difficult because then I suffered from depression and I, I did go to therapy, but therapy, again, didn't help me at all. Therapy was more of a, not for me, it's for other people. I can't sit there and listen to someone or have them listen to me right in their little notepad and then a couple of sessions after, oh, here, let me give you some medication. I think you have this. No, you don't know what I have. You don't know what I've gone through and stop putting the blame on me. Because everything that I had said, they twisted it around. I'm like, what's the point of going to therapy if that's how I'm going to be attacked? So I stopped going to therapy and I became my own voice of reason. You know, I, be, I was the person that gave myself advice, mentored myself, uh, assured myself, consoled myself. You know, it's like, that's why when, when, when someone will take offense to me saying, I am my own best friend, well, I didn't have friends and the friends I had never were around. They were never around. They were just doing their own thing. God forbid if I even bothered somebody or called on the phone, I would either get a voicemail, an answering machine, or the classic, I didn't know that you called, that kind of lie right there, you know? So I was by myself, basically. And it was pretty lonely not having anybody to talk to. Again, I didn't want to talk to my family because they were going through their own time, their grief, and, uh, you know, and I was grieving in my own way. But I got through it. And then I remember saving someone, a friend of mine, because years before that, when I was in school, when my father was still alive, I was depressed for whatever reason. I wanted to kill myself. And he said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. You're too beautiful. Like, And what does beauty have to do with it? Look, 
I get you don't have friends. Hey, I don't have many friends. See, that's the problem, and, and I want people to understand this. Even now, even now, what bothers me is people's phones will be ringing off the hook or texts will come through, and I don't have anything like that. I don't have anybody calling me randomly. I'm not important to anybody. The only person that I'm important to is my husband. But again, I don't want to burden him too much. I feel like I don't want to bother him when he's busy or, you know, because I know he wants to see me happy and I'm trying to be strong and happy, but it's hard sometimes. You know, you think everybody in this world has somebody to fall back on. I look at my friends, my, or my family, and, their, and the friends that they have on their phones, they have like so many people that get in touch with them. My phone barely rings. And if it rings, it's for either a scam call, or maybe someone's calling me back for a potential job, or you know, whatever it may be. Once in a blue moon, do I ever even have any family contact? Okay, um, and it hurts really really hurts and I think to myself well why is that why do I have that um, it's just right now it's very difficult for me to comprehend I just wish I had a measure of happiness you know when you're alone and you have nobody to talk to yeah you go crazy you know? and that's why I think well maybe I should go out and try to find a job second job I can't even find a first job never mind a second job you know people claim that they want you but then they change their mind and they see that oh they look at your resume oh well we don't want to hire her she's got too many gaps or she hasn't worked so but do you think that because I haven't worked long I've forgotten how to do things I didn't crawl out from under a rock I'm not from another planet give me a chance here now I did make contact with a LinkedIn friend yesterday um, I was thinking, and, it, and it's still a possibility, there's an organization where he would want me to be a part of that I said, I want to help other people. He says, well, why don't you move down here for about a year? I said, I would love to do that. It's a matter of money. Now, again, if I didn't have this house and all these bills, I would be on the first plane out of here because I want my life to be fresh. I want my life to be somewhere different. Here it's boring, I will be honest with you. Now let's continue. They said, well, let's ask you the question of this. What makes, what is the one thing that you're proud of that you could talk about? I survived cancer. I mean, and how I found it Again, a lot of people are really mesmerized. So they say, well, how did you? Well, I went into the mirror. I noticed I had something in my left breast, but I didn't really think it was anything. I found it to be like a marble. It felt like a tiny marble rolling around in the breast, right? But I didn't think anything. So I didn't go right away to the doctor. I could have gone, you know, the things I could have gone right away to the doctor and I didn't, I just let it go. But then I thought, you know what? I better take myself in because what if it is something and can be treated? The problem is I waited too long and when I did finally go in for, to the breast specialist and she took the biopsy, it was, a, it was a malignant tumor, a nine centimeter tumor growing in the left breast. And it needed to be taken care of right away because she says, if you hold off on getting it treated, we're talking about your life here, you could die. Now think about this, 
All right, think about this. Imagine someone's telling you, you need to take care of this right away. In other words, you need to physically right away go to another doctor, go through all the tests so they can give you a confirmed diagnosis of what you had. You're staring death in the face. Now, this is what you think to yourself. I'm 35 years old. No history of it another side of the family. My father didn't have it, my father's family, nor my mother's side. So, there you go. I'm the first one in my family to have cancer, okay? And if I have a daughter, I will pass it down to her. <laughs> That's right, very reassuring, you know? Um, but at the time, you think 35 years old, and you're like, wow, 35. Can you imagine life or death? Can you imagine, oh my God, I'm 35. I haven't really begun. You know, you could say I've begun my life. I've done this and this and I've, you know, I haven't really done anything to make myself proud. And I think to myself, at 35, I don't want to die. I still have a lot of life left in me. There are things I want to accomplish. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to be a success in life. I want to be able to talk about my story. You know, let others know, hey, look, don't give up. Never give up. Cancer, again, is the devil. Cancer is a demon that wants to take over every part of your body if you let it. If you let it. But you say to yourself, no, I'm going to fight because I have value. As a human being, I have value. I, I belong in this world just like everybody else. Because again, I've, I've heard this from people. When I was battling my cancer, after my last chemotherapy treatment, there was a young woman who was in her mid to late 20s. She goes, oh my God, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I happened to walk by her. She's like, I'm so scared. I don't know what's gonna happen to me. I said, you know what? Don't be scared. Don't let fear play a big part of your life. First of all, you make yourself afraid. Get Knock that fear out. Say to yourself, I'm here to fight for my life. I have every right to be on this earth just like everybody else. I have value. I have worth. I mean something to someone. You know, the most important thing you need to remember is you have to have that support system. You're not going to fight this illness by yourself. You're going to say, yeah, I could do this. I will take myself to the doctor. I will take myself to get treated. I will. No, you say all of that, you're not going to do it. Trust me. Because me, I hate hospitals and doctors. And if I did not have my mother and my family members to help me through it, I'll tell you right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I would have been dead a long time ago. I would not have, t I would have just let the disease consume me. I'll be honest with you. You cannot do this by yourself. You can't. You need a support system. You know, even again, if you don't have a support system, other cancer survivors, volunteers, doctors, nurses, there's always somebody there that will help you through it, that will never leave you alone, that will be with you 24 seven. That's why I say for me to go into another part of the world, because again, I wanna be able to help these people. Do not give up. Do not give up. The moment that you give up, you're letting cancer take over your body. You're letting cancer win the battle. It's like you're surrendering. You know, you get the white flag going. No, no. I will tell you something. I look back at that time and I think to myself, at one point, I didn't want to give up. I was so ready to give up. I was so ready to give up. I was ready to call it quits. And my mom said, 
know. My mom forced me to see that there's more to life than throwing in the towel. You don't do that. You fight. I understand you're going through pain. I understand your quality of life has changed. It has. I, I, I didn't know. Have, you know what? I forgot how to do simple things. You know what happens when you have drugs poured into your system and your body and your poison? You forget to do simple things like balance a checkbook. I couldn't remember my social security. I couldn't remember certain things. She goes, it's temporary. It's temporary. Those drugs that are going into your body to fight the cancer, that's temporary. You're going to get all of that back. I'm like, when? You know how long it took me to fully get well? Two years. Two years. 35 and 36, I don't remember. If I can get back those ages, I would. If I can get back those ages, I would. When I look back at my life and I think of everything that I've gone through, and I'm like, wow, I'm here to talk about it. Isn't that an accomplishment? Isn't that something you could be proud of? You are here. You're here now in this world. You could have easily given up 16 years ago, but you didn't. You know why? Because my mother wouldn't let me. My mother and God. My mother said to me, if you did give up, if you had given up, I don't want to go on. I was like, Mom, what do you listen to me? When you came into me and your father's world, when you came into our life, you were a blessing. I said, well, I thought I was an accident. That's what my middle sister made me believe. Don't listen to her. You were a blessing, a surprise, okay? We didn't give you up. Did we give you up? No, we loved you. We accepted you. We were happy. And because I always thought that when I came along because of my status, that they couldn't afford to keep me. And I thought, well, they're gonna give me away. And I'm like, I'm gonna be raised by somebody else and I would not have known it. But I probably would have tried to find my, my parents if that was the case. But my mom said no. It was a surprise. I, I don't think, see, back in the day, and, and a lot of people think, you know, when you have parents that are very old school and very ancient, well, not ancient, but you know, their tradition and customs are different when it comes to children. You know, they create children, but they don't think about how many they're going to have. You don't plan it. It just kind of happens, right? And I don't know if she ever knew that, you know, oh my God, I'm having a baby, another baby. And again, I was not a planned baby. It hurt a little bit to say to me I was an accident. But she says, you're not an accident. You were a surprise, a blessing. So when you tell me you're going to give up on life, do you honestly think I'm going to be in this world without you? I said, but mom, you have two other daughters. You have grandkids. Don't understand. I cannot live without you. I can't. My life would suffer. I don't think I would ever be happy knowing that you were gone. I can't. I'm sorry. And that's why she said to me, you cannot quit. You will. I will not let you die. You are going to force yourself to go through these treatments to do whatever the doctors tell you to do, and you're going to fight like you've never fought before. Pretend you're in an army. Pretend you're in an army. You're a warrior, a woman warrior. You're fighting a battle against a demon known as cancer. Cancer is taking over your whole body. Think of it in those terms. Cancer is taking over your whole body, right? So now you have to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight until you cannot fight anymore. 
That's what you have to make yourself believe, right? Because if you don't, you know what's going to happen, and I, and I will be honest with you. You know what's going to happen if you give up? Cancer will take over your whole body, and you'll be gone. And I won't live. My mother was gonna, literally going to take her life. To think that, you know, she could have said those words to me. I was just floored. I never thought that she would ever say those hurtful words to me. I said, Mom, how dare you say that to me? Your own daughter. Well, you know what? You're giving up on yourself, so why should I stay in this world? Do you think I'm going to be happy? I lost your father. I don't want to lose you. And I think it would, and I'll be honest with you, I think it would kill her. Her health would go down very bad. I think her heart would just stop beating if she had lost me. So I decided to stay and fight. Because I didn't want my mother to go through that type of hell. I mean, it's bad enough she lost her husband. Now she doesn't want to lose her youngest daughter. You know, we were close after my father was gone. My father had said to me, you promised me you would take care of your mother. But if you break your promise to me and you go and you hurt yourself and take yourself out of this world, I will not forgive you. He wouldn't know, but I'm probably sure he would know from up above. He'd probably see from up above what was going on. So I fought like hell and I did it. I, I, I survived the disease. I got through the worst of it. But it took a long time for me to physically get back into the real world because things were different. I couldn't really adjust, you know. And a part of me at the time, you know, I always said I was going to help others, but I, I kind of held off. As I guess there were two things or two reasons as to why. Number one, I was ashamed. I didn't want people to know I had breast cancer. I don't know why. I think most of the people, the neighbors knew because you could tell. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is I wasn't ready because I was trying to process what happened to me. But I feel now's my time to come out and help others. And I feel for the women that are down in one part of the world that are just silently suffering because they're not under a doctor's care. How you're treating your breast cancer is a mystery to me. You know, you're going through this hell all by yourself. Why are you doing it? I can't understand that. And I don't think I'll ever fully understand that. But I will tell you one thing. Life can be, can be, um, difficult unless you make it difficult you yourself are the captain of your life you're the one who makes the decisions of what you want to do in your life where you want to go where you want to be what you want to do you know and again in order for you to get through life anything in life struggle failure strength Struggle, failure is equal to strength, not weakness. So if somebody comes up to you and says, what are you talking about? Listen to me. If you've had the background that I have growing up where you're humble. So this, that's why I said, if you look at my nickname, if I do a documentary or a true to life story about what I went through, humble survivor, humble survivor. Humble are people who are compassionate, who give of their time, energy, and love to help others because they know what it's like to be in a situation like that. So that's what we have in common, correct? Survivor, not just cancer, but all of life. 
you know, and you say to yourself, how do you stay so focused in this world? Well, you have to be positive. No matter how hard it gets, and for me, it's still a struggle, I'll admit it to you. There are times when I'm depressed and I cry, but I gotta remember something. I don't wanna be, quote, negative. Because when you're negative in a positive world, you will not work. Who wants to be around someone who's constantly down on themselves? You know, they always say that you should pay attention to the people in your life that are going through a hard time. In other words, they're going through difficulties in life. And you say to yourself, how can you help those people? You know what? Check up on your friends. If you have friends or people in your life you haven't spoken to in a long time and you connect with them, ask them the questions. Keep asking until you find out exactly what's going on. They may not want to talk to you. Maybe they're ashamed. They figure, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to burden anybody with my problems. Reach out to them. Find out how they're doing. If, if there's even a hint of depression in their voice or they don't feel like themselves, talk with them. Talk with them. Uh, you know, take, if you're close by, take them out. You know, hey, let's get together. You know, I wish I had somebody close to me who could do that. But unfortunately, I don't. So how do I keep myself from going down that path? I do podcasts. I sometimes listen to my own podcasts. Or I will, um, if I'm lucky enough to talk with some LinkedIn contacts, I will talk with them, we'll text, you know. Sometimes we talk on the phone, depending on, you know, the time, because there is a time difference around the world. But I fully understand that. I used to work in international, so I, I have an understanding of the whole time difference. They say some people don't, see? I told that to people when I used to work in logistics and international. I love having that rapport with people from all over the world because I fully understood their needs. So you accommodate, you accommodate to their time. Right now, I was talking with someone earlier and he said to me, I'm grateful that I connected with you because you never know who you can meet in a, on LinkedIn and make a connection where you can do business together. I said, well, I wanna help others. This is one of my missions in life is to help others and not just for people with sickness. Education, poverty, shelter, uh, food, everything that our people have lack of. Because just think about this. I understand where they're coming from. I can remember a time when it was, it was a struggle for me as a little girl and even as a young adult. We didn't have, you know, we didn't live the rich lifestyle. We were comfortable. But at the same time, I know what it's like. I used to be teased at back in the day. Sometimes I got teased at because of my name, other times because I was different. I said, what is wrong with being different? You know, I had, in elementary school, I had friends from all over the globe. From elementary school, right through junior high and part of high school. I didn't like, again, I didn't like anybody in my in high school. <laughs> I just didn't like anyone in my class. I tolerated some people, but there were some that were just so, oh my God, so into the whole luxury lifestyle. And the majority of the, the girls I went to school with were so stuck up and conceited because of the fact that they had the wealth. They showed off who they were. I said, you know, you guys are so phony. Why don't you be real for once? They looked down at me because I didn't wear the, quote, designer clothes. I didn't have the designer bag. I didn't have the, the fancy car. No, I didn't have any of that. But you know what I had? A rocking personality, a personality that was nice. You guys are conceited because all you think about is what you have. 
and you rag on people who don't have much of anything. How shameful is that? They used to take pot shots at these other girls with the way they dress. I'm like, and really? Are you really gonna tell me you're better than me because of all the things you have? Let me ask you something. And I asked this question, and this was a while ago, just to see. All the things that you own right now, did you work for them yourself? Did your mommy and daddy get them for you? Because if you tell me, no, I did it myself, what did you do? If you're rich, you don't have to go out and work. I have to work. I have to work to get the things that I want. That's called struggle and failure, but that's also a strength. If you tell me, I never had a struggle a day in my life, but I know what it's like. You don't know what it's like because you live in a privileged life. Things were given to you. You never did anything for yourself. I don't even consider you to be a grown-up. If you were a grown-up, you would do things for yourself. You had people doing things for you. They were handed down to you on a silver platter. Not everybody has that luxury. So don't talk to me and tell me I know what it's like to struggle. Did you ever have a job in your life? No. Mommy and Daddy provided for you. What happens if Mommy and Daddy were never around? How are you going to get the things that you're going to get? Oh my God, you got to go out and get a job. I used to be sarcastic with people like that because they really got to me. You know, people in school thought that they were better than you because of the things they had. And I'm like, shameful on you. Shame on you for acting the way you are to me. And you know what? And there's another thing that a lot of people didn't know. You know, because my father did all the food shopping. And one day the kids at school say, yeah, I saw your dad. He was in the grocery store. Isn't that a, and this is what, this is what I didn't understand. They said, aren't women supposed to go to the supermarket? Isn't that their job? I said, excuse me, excuse me. Did you just, did you just say what I thought you said? You said that shopping is a woman's job? No, my father liked food shopping. And the reason why he went, well, number one, he drove. My mother did not have a car. And number two, she would give him a shopping list. He would go. He didn't have a problem with that. What's the problem? I used to get teased at in school because of that. My father liked food shopping, you know? I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. Other kids in school used to tease me about that. I'm like, my mother did a lot more. She didn't sit at home while he went food shopping. She took care of the house. She took care of us, us girls. She was phenomenal in doing that. A lot of women, can you say that about a lot of women? No. A lot of women can't even take care of a house and a, and a child at the same time. Now, I watched her growing up, and I can honestly say I could do both without the help of anybody. See, women who, who are, quote, living the rich lifestyle have the nannies and the daycare people taking care of their children so they can go out with the girls shopping i don't like that i'll be honest with you i don't like that at all you know what i like i'll be honest with you i have a beef about that you're not a true quote wife and mother if you leave your children with with the nanny you don't spend time with your children you don't want to get to know them, get to see them grow and develop. No, you leave them with the, the nanny or whoever else that you hire. So you can go out with the girls to go shopping. Excuse me? Huh. My mother never did that. First of all, she didn't trust anybody to leave us with strangers, God forbid. Do you know that when you leave your children with strangers or, oh, I know this person, but do you really know them? Do you know there's some people that don't like children? What happens if your child is mistreated? Where were you? Oh, I was out shopping with the girls. Oh, that was more important then. More important than taking care of your child.
Seriously? See, I don't have respect for women like that. I'm sorry, I just don't. I'm sorry. If you, if you claim you want to be a wife and mother, then be a wife and mother. Do not leave your children with strangers. There are women that pine away to say, oh, well, I have the good lifestyle. I don't need to be taking care of my kids and develop a relationship with them when I can leave them with the strange nanny over here, right? And then as far as the housework, oh, I have the maids. Yeah, because what do you do? Nothing. So how do you call yourself a dedicated wife and mother if you leave your children with strangers, number one, and you go out with the girls to go shopping? What about your husband? So when he comes home from a long, hard day of work, where are you? Out shopping with the girls. And what is that? My mother never did that. My mother cooked, cleaned, took care of the housework, took care of us, catered to her husband. But then my father also helped out too. With the times that she got sick, he did the housework, he did the cooking, the cleaning, he also helped out. But again, he liked food shopping and when I was younger and even in my teenage years, everybody laughed at that. What was so funny about that? My father liked to go food shopping, what? I sometimes went with them, sometimes I didn't. I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, nowadays I just wonder about people, their mentality that people have. You're, you're, you're basing off of women are supposed to do this, men are supposed to do this. Do you, ever, do you know now, and this, I don't know about other parts of the world, but in this part of the world, a lot more men stay at home while the women go out. So someone is bringing home money, does it really matter who does what? Now for me, I'll be honest with you, yes, I like to go out and work and do stuff, but at the same time, when it comes to children, I like to do that myself. I don't trust anybody. I hear the horror stories of, of women, oh, I trust her completely, but do you really though? Why don't you put the camera, set it up, and see what happens when your child cries, especially a baby. Babies cannot tell you that someone is hurting me. You're not gonna see it unless you see it and you see the bruises and you think, my God, what just happened? You think a nanny's gonna come out to you and say, oh yeah, uh, your baby had an accident. Oh, really? An accident, it looks like its leg was broken or, or its arm was broken. You're telling me a baby fell down and broke his arm and his leg like that? Are you kidding me? No, you know what I think? I think you did it. I am one to attack people like me. And I told my mother, I said, if ever I have a child of my own, I'm not leaving it with a stranger. Hell no, no. Even if it's family members, I still wouldn't trust because again, you may not like children. You may attack the children and for what? You're having a bad day and you're gonna punish my child because of your bad day? Yeah, I don't think so, no, no, nope, mm -mm. nope. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't trust anybody. See, I, and that's why I have a beef with women. Women who want to be, quote, a wife and a mother, but you live the lifestyle because your husband is what, rich? You're not a wife and you're not a mother if you leave your children with strangers, you don't spend time with your children, and then you go out with the, the girls and go shopping. And what about your husband? You're gonna neglect him? There's gonna be fights. There's gonna be miscommunication and trust. See, that's why marriages end like that. Because you think to yourself, well, my husband can provide for me. Can he though? What if he, what if one day, one day, you guys have a fight and he says, well, you know, my wife's never there for me. We can't have this. We can't, you know, we're not intimate. We don't have the romance. And this, he ends up bringing home a mistress. Then what? What are you gonna do then? Because you neglected him. 
women should never neglect their husbands. They should always take care of their husbands. If your husband takes care of you, you take care of him. It's like an equal thing. Same thing with children. Why would you leave your children with strangers? Oh, come on, please, seriously? That's why women hate me because I do challenge them on that. <laughs> See, I grew up old fashioned. My mother, my mother would never let us be left alone with a stranger. Would never let anyone take care of us that was a stranger because you just don't know. You don't know what people's intentions are. You don't know how people are going to react in this day and age. Think of that in those terms. Do you trust anybody? I don't. I don't. I hear the horror stories. Hell no. Hell no. My kids would be left with me, either me or my husband. I'm not. I'm not going to trust anybody. Same thing with school. You're gonna let a teacher discipline your kids? Are you kidding me? Do you know what happened to the substitute teacher? Well, I don't know the teacher, she was a witch. She hit me with a ruler because of the whole shoe incident. I said to her, I didn't throw it. How do I have the strength at my age to throw, take a, a shoe and throw it at someone at the back of their head? How ridiculous is that? But she believed it. My father didn't. Now my father was like, you never ever touch my daughter. I believe her more than I believe you. She never, and my father never liked her either because she was a witch. Seriously, she was a witch. But anyway, um, I think I've rambled on over here. I will talk about the other stuff that I went through. So I'm going to let you guys go because I'm looking at the time I went over. Just stay positive. God bless all of you. Stay strong. Take care. Take care.